Our series has been tracking with Solomon. It's been called Solomon's Search for Meaning. I want it all to make sense. When we began planning for Good Friday and Easter, we asked the question, could it be that we could combine our study in Solomon with Good Friday and Easter? And the answer is yes. We were able to discover that the search for meaning that was so well articulated 1000 BC by Solomon actually was picked up when Jesus came into the world. Do you know in the Gospel of John, the first thing Jesus says is, what are you seeking? To his disciples, what are you seeking? And then do you know in the Gospel of John, the first thing Jesus says when he rises from the dead? Well, first he says, woman, why are you crying? And then he says, whom do you seek? It's the question that heaven lays out to all on earth. And I ask you tonight, what are you seeking? You can tell by even the way that we arranged everything on the stage that we are seeking a lot of things. Solomon was on a search for meaning, and so are you, so am I. What are you looking for? What is it you want most? What is it you can't live without? If you can have anything, that's what Solomon was asked, if you could have anything, what would you request? What is your heart's desire? Solomon's dad was the great King David who killed Goliath. He was guaranteed to be a celebrity. He had miraculous encounters with God. He was the wisest man alive. He was rich beyond imagination, richer than the richest alive today. But he was not happy. Not happy. So he searched everywhere. He searched in every place through every activity and relationship and possession you could possibly imagine. But there was one problem he kept running into. Even if he found enjoyment for a time, even if he figured out a few things, even if it seemed to start making sense, there was this one thing that kept puzzling him, and it was the dead end of death. He did not know what to do with death. Death ruins everything in the end. No matter who you are, no matter what you have, what's the point of being wise or working hard or fearing God or behaving or being nice or, or paying your taxes? Or, or, or what's the point if in the end you're six feet under? And who knows what happens then? We are looking for the same things Solomon was looking for. How do we live well? Where can we find satisfaction? And when we die, won't we lose it all? We fear the same thing he feared. I want to, tonight, more reflect. It's more of a reflection and a meditation on Good Friday rather than a sermon. Let's reflect on what Solomon said about death. And then, what Jesus said did to continue that search. In Ecclesiastes 1.4, Solomon said, A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. 
Do you realize what he just said? A generation goes. Every single person alive on the planet today will all soon be gone. And an entire new generation will be here. Wow. Ecclesiastes 2.16 For the wise, as of the fool, there's no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool, so I hated life. Long forgotten. It's all that's coming. 3 verse 1 to 2. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. It's coming. Inevitable. 6.12. For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? In 7.2, he said it's better to go to the house of mourning, that's a funeral, than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. In other words, he tried denial, party, house of feasting, live it up. Better to go to a funeral and realize what's coming, and to not deny it, to face reality. 8, eight. no man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. 12, 5, and 7, man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets, and the dust returns to the earth it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Solomon could not make sense of what role death played in life. Death was the greatest mystery. What role does death have? What role could death possibly have other than to ruin everything that you've worked for in life? Isn't that it? He threw up his hands and said, I hated life. He's got it all. He knows how it's going to end. And in 320 to 23, he said this, All go to one place. All are from the dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes down into the earth. So I saw that there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Listen, who can bring him to see what will be after him? I love that question. Solomon, the wisest man alive, is freely admitting he doesn't know what comes next. Do we go up? Do they go down? I don't know. Best shot humanity has to figure it out. And you've got a guy beating his head up against the wall. And he throws up his hands and turns around and says, I got nothing. And this question, who can bring him to see what will be after him? I, I'd love, like if this was in a movie, I'd love for that question to just echo for a thousand years over all. Of, who can bring him to see what will be after him? Who can bring him to see? Who? Is there anyone now? Is there anyone now? Is there anyone now? Hundreds of years, 200 years, 300 years. Is there anyone who can bring? I'd love that to just echo and echo and echo. Like a TV show that has to be continued, to be concluded. 
And then you just wait and wait and wait. That question hung in the air. If Solomon couldn't answer it, certainly no one after him could. And then the New Testament said one greater than Solomon arrived. Jesus arrived. Jesus brought the full and final answer to this question. The wisdom and power of God, he could bring us to see what will be after us. He could have power over the day of death. He could do what Solomon never could. In John 5, 24, Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. 28 to 29, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of the judgment. How does he know this? Who has the authority and the wisdom and the power to tell me what's going to happen long after I'm dead? When I hear the voice of this Son of God and I burst forth from the ground, who speaks like that? Who can talk like that? Who can tell me about the afterlife? Who solved this riddle of we will die, but we will be bodily resurrected from the grave? Wow. Well, if some are resurrected to life and others are resurrected to judgment, how do I know which group I'm in? 1 Peter 2, 24-25 says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that's the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Now think about this for a second. Somehow a dying man is going to carry our sins on his body while he's dying. And it's going to be the worst possible death. That we might die to sin. He dies, and somehow he takes us with him. And live to righteousness, but we come back to life. By his wounds you've been healed, and we're healed. Death does that? Death does all of that. Death does all of that? At the cross, he dies, we die, we live. Death gives life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So a dying man who's being crucified, which is torture, who is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, takes me with him. I die with him. It is no longer I who live, the 
The me I was before this dying man came along into my life dies. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This dying man lives in me. And the life I now live, now I'm living again in the flesh. I live how? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So how do we put all this together? When we put our faith in Jesus, specifically that he is the Messiah who came down from heaven as the Son of God, who died on the cross to take away our sins, when we have faith that that's what happened, our old sinful cursed life dies. It dies with him. We die with him. And then a new life comes into us because he lives in us. So therefore, the tomb where he lay dead, where we were buried with him, is where new life comes from. Everything about the abundant life Solomon truly longed for. Everything you truly want to last forever. Everything commendable about you. Everything eternal about you. Everything glorious and wonderful about you came out of a tomb. The death of Jesus accomplished so much. It was essential to overcoming sin to overthrowing Satan, to abolishing death. Therefore, death became the source of everlasting life. Death became the source of everlasting life. And death became the greatest expression of divine love. The dead end Solomon couldn't get past is where life and where love begins. What a wonder. Acts 3.15 says, You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. The author of life died for you and me and was raised so that we can live. Therefore, the shadow, the wall, the fear, the, the specter, the... The reaper, the agony, the pain, all overcome. Through death, life sprang forth forever. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's unimaginable. The last place Solomon would think to look for the final ultimate answer is where it all came from. God is so wise. He's so powerful. He's so loving. And tonight we remember the death of Christ that is now the source of all eternal life and all of heaven's love. We stand in wonder at the tomb where life burst forth and we come to thank our Lord, the author of life, for enduring such an agonizing execution and for opening the way to the abundant life Solomon could never find. I'd love to be able to tell him, if I could go back in time, I'd love to be able to tell him to just 
Look him in the eye and just say, I know you've been looking for a long time. And listen, there's a secret. There's a place. There's one place where God put it all. I mean, where he put everything. Where he put it all. Everything you've ever wanted. Where is it? Where is it? You know, it's just this one place. It's this one place where he put everything you could possibly ever want for an eternity. Where? 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 It's in the grave. It's in the grave. It all came out of a tomb. It would have blown his mind. I hope it blows your mind. I hope it breaks your heart for what Jesus did for you. And then I hope immediately it brings in all of the life and light that God has for you. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Well, on Good Friday we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, we have the elements over here, are symbolic of what Jesus actually did and accomplished for you and for me. We're going to, in a moment, have a time to reflect and meditate. And then I'll come back up here after we meditate and we'll take communion together. But let me show you what is symbolized before we take communion. When Jesus gathered his disciples together for the Last Supper... He said, this is my body which is broken for you. And the, the bread, we don't usually get this with the images with just holding the cup or the wafer. But the, the bread being broken apart, this is what happened to his body. It was crushed. It was, it was torn. And the, the body of Christ was broken for you. It was broken for you. And the blood that was poured out we lose the image, but he, he said that this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. And we lose sight of the, of the picture, of the image, of the very blood of Christ shed, spilled out for the forgiveness of your sins and for mine. What we're going to do now is take a moment and meditate. And as we reflect right now, I want you to just... Thank Jesus for his body being broken for you. Thank him for his blood being shed for you. And as you're reflecting on that, the team's going to sing a song over us. And then I will come back up and we'll take communion together. But use this time to reflect right now. <laughs>